Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today we are going to be breaking down the bowl games for Saturday, December 31st. It's four games total, two regular bowls, and two college football playoff semifinals. So it should be a very exciting slate of college football here that is taking place this Saturday. This is actually the second episode we are releasing this morning. Earlier on in the morning, we broke down Friday's five-game bowl slate. So check that out on the podcast feed if you are interested in listening to the Friday games. You are currently listening to the Saturday preview. Yes, they are two different episodes. I decided to break it up so that would be easier for people to find. And honestly, it's been a wild week of college football, y'all. We've had bowl games taking place every day, and we've broken down and had our previews every day. There's been stuff that we got right. There's been stuff that we got wrong. For instance, I was all over KJ Jefferson yesterday, and so if you listen to that, hopefully you had a little success with that lineup. And honestly, y'all, If you've listened to the podcast before, you probably heard me mention that I am a teacher and a coach for my day job. So the fact that I am on winter break and have the time to do the research and to record the episodes is the only reason possible that I've been able to do a preview for every day of college football action. So I am very thankful for that. Now, what does suck is when you do your research, you know, you put in all the time and put in all the effort. And then Antoine Green gets scratched right before kickoff and all the research you put in is done because your number one wide receiver doesn't play. Now, you know, when we do when we have college football bowl season, just keep in mind that, you know, pay close attention to injuries as much as you can. Um, the situation with Antoine Green yesterday, I had him in some of my lineups. I know a lot of people did. Um, it just it really stinks to have a guy get scratched like that. But it's just the position college football is in right now. I'm not blaming the individual college football players for that. They're doing what's best for them, and I have no issue with that. They're just college kids. Um, to me, beat writers need to do a better job of being vigilant and letting people know and getting the word out on social media. And then college football also needs to put in some rules about teams disclosing injuries and depth chart changes. Um, I know college coaches think they're getting some kind of competitive advantage by not disclosing them. But to me, if college football wants to get a bigger TV audience, they need to lean into embracing daily fantasy sports, embracing you know player props, embracing gambling, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better way of saying it. And so I really hope that that changes. But just keep in mind as we near the end of bowl season here, keep an eye out for these injuries and be very vigilant with who you put into your lineup and who you don't. I'm going to try to do my best job here to break it down. But like I said, it's really disheartening when you do all the research and you identify Antoine Green as a good play and then he doesn't play. All right, so uh, enough talk. Let's go ahead and start here with the breakdowns. As a reminder, if you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you want any stats and facts that I don't always get to during the episode and you have any lineup or start sit questions, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. All right, let's start breaking down this slate. Like I said, we got two bowls. We got two college football playoff semifinals. It's a great slate of games. Let's start off with the quarterback position. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. Starting off with the quarterback position and starting off with the highest price option, that is Bryce Young of Alabama, and it should come as no surprise that he is the top option. However, what is interesting is that he's at the cheapest price tag he's been at all season long. Honestly, from a fantasy perspective, this season's been a little bit of a disappointment for Bryce Young. He has gotten nowhere near the production that he had on his Heisman winning season in 2021. And I think you can kind of attribute that. I don't think he's gotten worse. I think you can attribute it to the offense around him being slightly worse. The receivers are less talented. The offensive line's not as good. The run game hasn't been as strong. So I think that 
I don't know. I think that he's been a disappointment all season, but I think he's in a very good spot for this slate. Now, here's a stat that I'm going to read from most of the quarterbacks that are here on this slate. Bryce Young has been over 25 fantasy points exactly five times this season, so he does have a little bit of upside, and I think that Kansas State is a worse defense than a majority of what he's played against in the SEC all season long. So I think that Bryce Young is actually in a really good spot to be the top quarterback on this slate. Second on the board is C.J. Stroud, who is at the cheapest price he has been at all season. He gets the, um, we'll call it the Georgia Depression. Uh, he's getting the discount in price because he's going up against the Georgia defense that is just the most overwhelming defense in all of college football, and I would not recommend playing any quarterback against the Georgia defense. However, if there was a quarterback to play against the Georgia defense, it'd be C.J. Stroud. He's pretty good. He's been over 25 fantasy points five times so far this season. Um... I just have a really hard time buying a quarterback against the Georgia defense. They only gave up 13 fantasy points to Hendon Hooker, who was on an absolute roll before that Georgia game. So, you know, a lot of people say that on these DFS shows that I'm, I'm kind of too nice. I, I kind of hype everybody up. Well, it's because in DFS, it's hard to just say never play somebody because even if somebody has a bad matchup and has bad recent form, you know, a lot of other people see that as well, and they're going to stay away from them, and so they become a low ownership play, which if you do play and they go off, gives you a lot of leverage, right? So I'm not saying don't play C.J. Stroud, but what I'm saying is is he's not in a good spot, and so he's going to be much lower owned than he is on any other slate, and I don't think he has a chance to go off. Like, nobody has done well against this Georgia defense, but if you want to roll the dice, go for it. I probably won't be rolling those same dice, though. So Max Duggan of TCU is next on the board, and he has had 25 fantasy points seven times this season, more than C.J. Stroud and more than Bryce Young. However, he is also facing the best defense he has seen all season. This Michigan defense is really stingy. They're really good, uh, and it's going to be hard for TCU to score their normal allotment of points against that Michigan defense. Now, what worries me is that the other time this season he went up against a fairly stout defense against Texas, he only had five fantasy points. And so I think the Michigan defense is much much better than Texas's defense. So I'm a little concerned about Max Duggan. But like I said with CJ Stroud, just because he's in a bad spot doesn't mean not to play him. It means he's going to be low owned. I think you're going to see a lot of the ownership on this slate lump around Bryce Young. So I think that Max Duggan would not be a terrible pivot play by any means. Now, Georgia Stetson Bennett, in my opinion, is actually in a pretty good spot. So the last time we saw Ohio State, J.J. McCarthy was dropping bombs on him and had 31 fantasy points against him. And I think Stetson Bennett's a slightly better quarterback than J.J. McCarthy. Now, Stetson Bennett's also unique because he has postseason experience. In the two college football playoff games last season, he had 27 fantasy points against Michigan and 17 fantasy points against Alabama. On a small slate, that's not bad. And at his price, we can absolutely live with either of those outcomes. Now, what's also noteworthy is that he has over 25 fantasy points in five out of his 13 games this season. So the same amount as Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, which is interesting. So I think that Stetson Bennett's actually a pretty solid option. Um, like I said, this Ohio State defense, is, the secondary has been pretty weak. They just gave up 31 fantasy points to J.J. McCarthy, and they also gave up 27.9 fantasy points to Tidlia Tagovailoa. So I think that those, this Ohio State defense has got some things they got to fix, and if they don't fix them, Stetson Bennett's going to have a really good day. Now, the last three that I want to talk about, these two are going to kind of be a two-in-one. Adrian Martinez and Will Howard of Kansas State. It's kind of up in the air who's going to be the starter. 
If I had to call it right now, sitting here Thursday morning, I would think that it's going to be Adrian Martinez. But I think that whichever one ends up starting is in a pretty good situation. Mobile quarterbacks this year and historically have done a lot of damage against the Nick Saban defense, and both of these guys can run. So I think that there's definitely some upside to be had among either of them. I kind of hope it's Adrian Martinez because he's a little bit cheaper, and I think he is a better runner. So I think he would give you more upside and allow you more freedom for the rest of your lineup. The last quarterback that I do want to talk about is J.J. McCarthy of Michigan, who is coming on strong as of late. He has over 18 fantasy points in four of his last five games. He is at a super cheap price tag, so he's going to give you good value if you play him. And honestly, we, we all know about the injury to Blake Corum, the running back. No Blake Corum may mean slightly more passing volume for J.J. McCarthy. So I'm not opposed to playing J.J. McCarthy at all. I think he's actually really good value. I think if you go Bryce Young and J.J. McCarthy as your two quarterbacks, you have a lot of flexibility to build out the rest of your lineup. All right, so let's go ahead. That does it for the quarterback position. Let's go ahead and break down the running back position. At the running back position on this slate, Jameer Gibbs is listed as the highest priced option. But... I'll be honest, I am not playing Jameer Gibbs over Deuce Vaughn in a vacuum. Like, nothing else considered, I think Deuce Vaughn is a better play than Jameer Gibbs. However, depending on how you are setting up your stacks, I could absolutely, you know, I mean, like, Jameer Gibbs is going to be in some of my lineups, but depending on how you set up your stacks, I think is going to determine who is the play of those two. I would personally, in a one-to-one -one comparison, rather have Deuce Vaughn. Now, let's kind of break down the two of them. So Kansas State is a much worse run defense than Alabama. So Jameer Gibbs obviously has the better matchup, but the usage has been very questionable. Jace McClellan is getting used more and more, and he's kind of being used as the thumper between the tackles, you know, the downhill runner, whereas Gibbs's role now is almost exclusively as a pass catching back and just kind of this scat back. And that, what kind of worries me about that is as the season has progressed, Bryce Young has targeted his receivers more and targeted Gibbs less. At the start of the season, it was like all he was throwing to was Jameer Gibbs. And now he's throwing to his receivers more and more, and he's targeting Gibbs less. So Gibbs is still clearly talented as a player. He's still going to be a factor in this offense, but he's less of a factor right now than he was at the start of the season. Now, breaking it down for Deuce Vaughn, Alabama's obviously not the best matchup ever. We've seen a few running backs have success against Alabama. Tank Bigsby had a solid outing against them. Um... LSU's running back, I believe it was Joel Williams, had a decent game. And then uh, B. John Robinson had 20 fantasy points against them as well. So this isn't the best matchup ever, but they're not unbeatable. Um, but the thing is with Deuce is that he's got such a consistent workload that I think you can play him against anybody. He averages over 20 carries a game, and he's been independent of game flow. He scored well in blowout wins. He scored well in blowout losses. He scored well in close games. He's so independent of game flow that I think he's a great option no matter how you set up the rest of your lineup. He's also a good receiver out of the backfield, which if Saban's defense is able to kind of clamp down on the wide receivers of Kansas State, which would not shock me, then you know the checkdowns to Deuce Vaughn are going to be there, and he can definitely make things happen once the ball's in his hands. So I really do like Deuce Vaughn in this slate. Yes, I know he's going up against Alabama. Don't be afraid of that. I think that he's still a very solid option on this slate. Now for the two Ohio State running backs, Mayan Williams and Dallin Hayden, um, best of luck to you. I'm not playing a running back going against Georgia. That's just me. If you want to play him, go for it. Knock yourself out. But I am not. Best of luck to you. Kendra Miller for TCU. I'm almost in the same boat with 
Um, the Michigan defense, I don't really want to play running back against Michigan, but Kendra Miller, unlike Hayden and Williams, we know Kendra Miller is going to be the workhorse. We know he's going to get the red zone carries and the, and the goal line carries, but just if I don't have to play a running back that's going up against Michigan, why would I? So I, I think you can just avoid those two situations entirely and be okay. Now, speaking of Michigan, Donovan Edwards, in my opinion, is the best value running back on the slate. He is going to be the chalk play on this slate. Like, he is probably going to approach 50% ownership, if not more. And it's for good reason. In the two games without Blake Corum, he is a combined 47 carries. That's 23.5 per game. And he's had 39.5 and 28.9 fantasy points in those two games. That's really, really good. If he if DraftKings were really doing their due diligence, he would be priced up there like right around Jameer Gibbs and Deuce Vaughn. And so I think that he is just an outstanding option and he's going to be high owned. And I'm probably still going to be playing him even though even if he is high owned. Um, now there is one super leverage play. So, you know, we know Blake Corum's hurt. The Illinois game this season, Donovan Edwards got hurt as well, and C.J. Stokes had double-digit carries in that game when both Corum and Edwards were out. So if you're looking for like this super-duper leverage play on everybody that plays Edwards, we know Michigan likes to play two backs. It's what they've done historically. They did it with Haskins and Corum last year. They're doing it with Corum and Edwards this year. C.J. Stokes, if he turns into that committee mate and he just falls into the end zone, like that's a really good value and a really good leverage play if you are bold enough to go play him. Again, again that's CJ Stokes. He's near the minimum price on DraftKings. All he has to do is fall into the end zone and he's going to pay off that price tag. Now for Georgia, Kenny McIntosh is really hitting his stride. He has 20 fantasy points in three straight games. And I think he's kind of being slept on in price because he splits carries. He doesn't get a whole lot of like, he's not up there in carries with Deuce Vaughn, for instance. But I think that he definitely is worth the play. Like, I, I really think that they're going to lean on this run game as much as they can. I think that, you know, they can hurt Ohio State through the air. But I think that Georgia is definitely a run first team, and it's going to be Kenny McIntosh that is getting those carries. Now, a game that I haven't mentioned yet, which is kind of by design, is the Kentucky-Iowa game. This is probably going to be the ugliest college football bowl game in the history of college football bowl games. There are two teams that have really good defenses, have mediocre to average offenses. Actually, no, I'll, I'll be honest. They're bad offenses. And they're playing with backup quarterbacks. So there might be a total of like two offensive touchdowns in this game. And so I would tend to avoid it if at all possible. But there's two leverage plays, like really – guys that I think could give you a little bit of value. So for Kentucky, Chris Rodriguez Jr. is opting out of the bowl, which leaves Jatan McClain as the new running back. And basically, he's going to be getting all of the carries because Cavassier Smoke is transferring. So he's going to be getting a super big workload. And call me crazy, if a running back is going to get 30 carries, he might be worth it, even if it's a bad offense, even if it's a good defense. And then for Iowa, I think Caleb Johnson is in the same boat. Like, he's an option based solely off of his workload, and he's very cheap. So I think that either of those two guys, Jatan McClain or Caleb Johnson, I'm not rushing to play them because this game is going to be so terribly ugly. But I think that the workload gives them a little bit of upside on this slate, especially at a cheap price tag. All right, so that does it for the running back position. Let's go ahead and switch on over and talk about some wide receivers. 
All right, so now we got to talk about some wide receivers. So this is a very interesting wide receiver slate. Like I've kind of been alluding to the whole episode here, I'm tending to stay away from targeting the Georgia defense and the Michigan defense. So looking at the top of this wide receiver board, the Ohio State receivers are there at the top, and they might have big days. But the problem is, is that they're splitting the target share and they're going up against that Georgia defense. So I'm probably staying away from both Harrison Jr. and Igbuka, um, especially just like if they were lower in price, I could get behind them, but but they're not. They're the highest priced wide receivers on the board. Now the leverage play would be Julian Fleming, who's operating out of the slot with Jackson Smith and Jigba not playing. And I think that he would definitely be a guy that um, if you're going to exploit this Georgia defense anywhere, I think out of the slot might be one of the places to do it. Now, speaking of Georgia, Brock Bowers is the guy. We have seen him be the guy in big-time games. He played very well in the college football playoff last season, um, and I think that he is going to be, if you're going to play one Georgia receiver, he is the guy you want. Now, Lad McConkey is very questionable for this game. From everything I have read, it seems like they're expecting him to be able to give it a go. Um, it's not 100% set in stone, though, so I would classify him as questionable, leaning towards probable. Um, but I definitely wouldn't say it's 100%. If he does not go between all the other options, I like Dominic Blaylock. I also like um, Darnell Washington, who's the second tight end behind Brock Bowers. I think that he's a guy that can give a little bit of upside just because of his frame and athletic ability. And then, you know, getting those targets in the red zone, that's what he's been doing the last two or three weeks. And so I think that Darnell Washington could definitely pay off his price tag. Now, for TCU, I'm really only considering Quentin Johnston and Darius Davis. So we know the Michigan defense is stout, right? So these are the two guys that I think could give them trouble. Johnston is a legitimate NFL talent. You know, he's 6'4", he's incredibly fast, and he just has a really good ball skills. Like, he's a good receiver. And so I think that he is definitely a guy that can, you know, make Michigan pay. And I like Darius Davis also. He's going to be the fastest guy on the field, and he gets scheme touches. He gets the ball in jet sweeps. He gets the ball on screens. And so I think that, you know, all it would take is for him to take 160 yards to the house, and he's going to pay off his price tag. I would not be interested in playing any of the other TCU wide receivers. The target shares are too sporadic. The snap shares are too sporadic. Um, I would just, if you're playing somebody on the TCU offense, stick with Johnson and Davis. Now for Michigan, Ronnie Bell is the clear alpha wide receiver and like he's a really good play in my opinion going up against this TCU defense, especially if you're stacking him with JJ McCarthy. Now if you are stacking with McCarthy, one guy that is definitely worth a look is Cornelius Johnson. He was the guy that caught all the bombs against Ohio State and so if you think that this is a game where maybe J.J. McCarthy connects on a few bombs, they're going to be going to Cornelius Johnson. Now, obviously, Cornelius Johnson, he did all that against Ohio State, and then he was pretty much AWOL in the you know the Purdue Big Ten championship game. But if you're stacking with McCarthy, it's Bell and then Johnson, in my opinion. Now, talking about the Iowa-Kentucky game, ugh, just these passing offenses are bad, y'all. Maybe Barry on Brown. For Kentucky, he's a he's a freshman. He's really athletic. He's really explosive when he gets the ball in space. And so he might be worth a look if he's able to take one to the house. But I just I, – I, if you can avoid that game, do it. That's just my opinion. Now, last game to talk about is the Alabama and the Kansas State game. So for Alabama, Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton have ended the season strong. Like I mentioned – um, Bryce Young has started targeting these wide receivers more and more as the season has gone on. Now, they do have a few transfers out of this receiving core. Um, Trey Holden, to name, a, to name one of them, and JoJo Earl, to name another. 
So I definitely think there's going to be increased opportunity for some other guys. So there are four guys that I think that are going to see increased opportunity. The one that I would say is the most obvious play is Kobe Prentice. He's going to slide right into that starting slot role. However, he hasn't caught a ball in three games. So he's going to be, I don't want to say rusty, but like maybe out of sync would be the right word. But he is taking over that starting slot role for Holden. And I think he's the most obvious play. Uh, Tower Harrell is another guy who could see increased action. He's only played in blowouts, though, so he is strictly just a backup who might get elevated snaps. Uh, Kendrick Law is an interesting one because he has 80 receiving yards over the last three games. And then Isaiah Bond is another interesting one. He has seven catches over the last two games. My personal preference between those latter three, Harrell, Law, and Bond, my personal preference would be Bond and then Law and then Harrell. But... Like, like, I think if you're looking for a punt play, I think you can do much worse than those three options, right? Um, this is going to be one of the higher scoring games of the day, and I think that, you know, the opportunity will be there with the transfers out. It's just a, trying to figure out who is kind of the trouble. Like, we know Prentice is going to be one of the starters, and I think that Bond would probably be the second one. Now, for Kansas State... They're pretty much a two-man receiving core at this point in the season. It's Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks. Deuce Vaughn catches a lot of passes out of the backfield, which kind of limits the upside of the other wide receivers there for their offense. But I do like Knowles, and I do like Brooks. If this game turns into a shootout, it's going to be one of those two guys that are catching the ball and Deuce Vaughn running. So that does it for the talk about the wide receiver position. And looking at this slate as a whole, y'all, when building your lineups, you have a lot of options. But if you want to avoid... The good defenses, the Georgia defense, the Michigan defense, and then the entirety of the Iowa and Kentucky game, if you want to avoid those, your options are getting a little bit limited. And so it's going to be interesting to see how people construct their lineups. Will people play C.J. Stroud and will people play Max Duggan going up against tough defenses? I don't think the ownership will be there as high as it normally is. I do think the ownership will be high on Bryce Young. So it'd be really interesting to see how this plays out. But I definitely think there's a lot of interesting options and there's a lot of options that are going to be low-owned, high-leverage spots also. All right, so that does it for this episode. If you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you want some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'm also more than happy to answer any lineup or start sick questions that you may have on Twitter. All right, so that does it. Um, hope everybody has a good New Year's Eve. Hope everybody's able to enjoy watching some college football playoff action. It's, it's one of my favorite days of the year, one of my favorite days of the sports calendar. Really looking forward to it. Hope everybody's able to... Um, have a good time, enjoy their New Year's Eve, and you know, head into the new year on a good note. Best of luck to everybody in all their DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.